Howdy, friends. This is Matt Sewell, and Merry Christmas. You're listening to episode 35, a special edition of the Popecast. This week, it's a crossover with Taylor Schroll's Forte Catholic radio show and podcast. The first half of this episode, you'll find on his show, one of the segments there is the first portion of this conversation, which covers a review of the new critically acclaimed and critically panned movie, The Two Popes, which is a... uh, how do we want to put it, based on true events, fictional telling of the friendship of Pope Benedict XVI and now Pope Francis. Uh, So again, the first half of that will be over at Forte Catholic, which you can find the link to in the show notes. So while the music is playing right after this intro, be sure to push pause, go over Forte Catholic, F-O-R-T-E Catholic, to listen to the first half of the show and then come back here to listen to the second half. Enjoy. Awesome. So yeah, I think we, we covered pretty well the uh, what we generally thought. But should we? What do you want to do first? What we disliked, what we did like about the movie. Um, I, I think it would be easier for me if we just went through it chronologically and yeah. said the things that we liked and disliked um, that way. Uh, just so I'm not jumping around and missing stuff. Great, that works for me. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, I am glad to start there because I honestly like hated it. Like the first twenty minutes, I, I was like, I... I'm interested to hear hear why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So like one, I, it's hard sometimes like when I get, I'll get something when I'm listening to music or I'm watching a movie or I don't know, at mass, even sometimes like I get something stuck in my craw that just like rubs me the wrong way. And I can't, I just can't kick it for a while. Thankfully it wasn't the case, the whole movie, but Anthony Hopkins, I think was the wrong person to play Benedict again. I I agree with you. Oh boy. Uh, I I loved it. Yes. Well, so I, I, I think I liked it by the end. And again, if anybody, uh, I agree with Taylor. Taylor was talking about how he loved Anthony Hopkins in the first segment. So, oh, are we are we already we're... going? Oh, are we not already going? <laughs> oh, sure. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, be sure to li- listen to the first segment. Another plug for the first segment of Forte Catholic. But um, I agree. Anthony Hopkins is is amazing. I love him as an actor. I think he's he's fantastic, especially as an older man. Uh, but I thought like his demeanor at the beginning of the movie. Maybe just like the demeanor and maybe like the, the character he was he was being asked to play because you could tell they were trying to like pit this Benedict versus Francis thing. And in the, the 2005 conclave, Benedict was, you know, glad handing with all the Cardinals and saying the same line over and over again. It just looked like he was trying to get elected, which I don't think was the case. Um, so like it, portraying Benedict is kind of like this grouchy, vindictive, uh, you know, pontiff wannabe or something, which which was just like so far from what I know. Again, as you said, loving Benedict the Sixteenth, I am a huge Benedict fan and a huge Francis fan. And I just think like it was just a big swing and a miss. I think in the, at least the first part of the movie, I don't think that as the case. He was much more jovial and warm and stuff by the end of the movie, and much more fatherly in terms of and brotherly in terms of his relationship with with Francis by the end. Uh, but at the beginning of the movie, it just like super rubbed, rubbed me the, rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know who I would pick other than Anthony Hopkins, but that was just one, right. Yeah. One, reaction yeah yeah it was it was interesting for me because like i noticed a lot of that stuff but like no so i guess i didn't hate it like i i went in thinking like we talked about earlier that i i thought i was gonna like i thought i was gonna be catholic bashing and like bashing benedict right so i went in with that and like there was a little bit of that but it was like i by the end of the movie right like there was this balance between like 
he was the papal Rottweiler. Like he was the German Rottweiler. Like he was the the one that people were were afraid of. Like he was the you know the head of the CDC beforehand. Like he he was a he was a force to be reckoned with when it came to theological stuff. And uh, but at the same time, he was this man who who played piano and loved loved being with people. And like we saw that throughout the movie. So like overall in the movie, there was some balance to his personality. And like I, I even think some of that. Uh, like frustration and grumpiness, and there's a beautiful conversation that I'm sure we'll get to as we as we go through this between the two of them when Benedict is saying that he wants to to retire to retire to to mm-hmm. to to leave the papacy, and it was like I'm tired, like I'm I'm old, I'm not I'm not hearing God like I used to, like I like th- this has been hard, like you can see the wear and tear of all the like scandals and things that he was dealing with. It's like it's time for somebody else, and like. I could see that because, like, again, like, it might not be true to who Benedict, like, to the real story, but it's, like, mm-hmm. a person who is in leadership who is tired and frustrated and their spiritual life isn't going well. It's, like, that's where I am right now. You know, like, I could <laughs> totally relate. Like, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, that, that was just, like, the first thing that I was kind of thinking in the first 20 minutes. But, um, but yeah, so chronologically, yourself, what was – or were you thinking kind of in the first, first the opening sequences, maybe like through the conversation in the garden when Francis flies to Rome? Right. Like up to that. Yeah. So like my favorite part of this movie, it, it, it happens in the garden there, but it's it happens throughout the movie. It's this these it's these two people who both love the Lord and who both love the church. Like that comes across in the in the story, uh, and they they know that they disagree on on how thing how the church is being run or how to deal with certain specific things like how to deal with with um giving you know, who who gets communion do all sinners is you know is it uh Jesus coming for everyone or is it you have to go to confession beforehand and like being not in moral status it's like it's like those are conversations that real people have you know and they're like right. they're difficult discussions and a lot of times people want to just I'm staunchly on this side or I'm staunchly on this side and they're not open to these conversations and that doesn't get us anywhere. That doesn't bring about um, brotherly love. It doesn't bring about unity. It doesn't bring about like mutual understanding. It doesn't bring about like maybe I'm wrong and if I'm not willing to listen, then I won't be able to be fraternally corrected, right? Like it it, it takes out all of those options and Benedict, like Benedict's character says like you've been to Francis, to Bergoglio. You've been one of my harshest critics, and that's a hard title to get. I just thought like the comedy in the midst of mm-hmm. of this hard conversation was interesting. And immediately Bergoglio says, I've never spoken out against you. Like, and I thought that was interesting. It was like like being able to have private disagreements without blowing it out of proportion on social media, like many people do today, right? Like but like <laughs> no, I've never. never spoken out against you. And it was like and Benedict it's like it's more of an implication on how you how you live. You know, like I'm not gonna live in the bishop's castle. I'm not gonna live in the papal apartments. I'm not gonna and like so I like I, I thought that was really interesting and like Francis saying, Oh, you know, like you know, Benedict, I'm gonna find God in, in books. I'm gonna find him through my intellect and uh, uh, Francis saying, you know, I, I'm going to find God on the journey. And then Benedict's character, I think it's the best line of the whole thing. Maybe we'll find God. Uh, well, let's take a journey. Let's walk through the rest of the garden. Maybe we'll find God over there. I'll introduce you to him. And it's like, it's just so funny. It's so funny for Benedict to say that. That yeah, might be a direct I quote. I feel like that's something Benedict the 16th. Would I say. wouldn't be surprised. Well, and something you said was, was just kind of uh, stirring me a little bit. I mean, kind of this, uh, 
what confirmation bias is that when like uh, somebody is thinking along a certain path and so they're going to actively seek out you know evidence that supports their position right or not believe something that could you know potentially change your mind and i i think i'm i would imagine that most of us if not all of us are guilty to some degree of like we love francis or we love benedict or we love john paul or we love whoever um that we don't want to think of or entertain something that changes our opinion of them uh so i was thinking like in this case with benedict i think he's a pretty holy guy i'm sure he'll be a saint someday i'm sure he'll be a doctor of the church someday um and i mean this movie is so cool like benedict's a doctor be awesome. of the church. that'd be awesome yeah i mean i mean i think it would be well deserved because he's you know anyways um but the idea of i wrote in my notes uh what i was watching the movie like this idea of benedict as somebody who's like god haunted like is at a certain point unsure if God exists anymore, if God is actually still there or whatever, that somebody who is so, you know, saintly or holy, I, and I like, I'm just thinking like, I think I wrote that down saying like, oh, this is, this is, this movie is dumb because, you know, Benedict wouldn't struggle with that. But I'm reminding, I'm, I'm you know, kind of reminding myself, like disabusing myself of that based on something you said, that like Benedict is still a human person, that he's still alive, he still sins and all these things. And like, I am sh- I'm pretty sure that, you know, this like some sort of dark night of the soul, like if, if St. Oh, Therese yeah. and Mother Teresa and like all these people, if Jesus himself can say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? What is it? Uh, Chesterton, the line where he said for a split second, God was an atheist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hanging on the cross. I mean, I'm thinking uh, there might be a little bit more to the truth about this to, or at least to remind us that Benedict and Francis are still human. Right. In this, whether or not any of these conversations are true or not, um, obviously we'll never know the side of heaven. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if that if it served to to remind us of that, I think it was I think it was a, it was a success. Yeah, those are some of my favorite stories, like the stories of the saints where they go in to pray every day and they're consistently there. And like, there's the one story of the nun, like she walks in and every day it's the uh, the mother superior. She walks into the chapel for her holy hour and every day she puts like a uh, what are they called the knot numbers where you 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 do four and then you cross them through. What are those called? Oh, no. I can't what? think of It's a very simple thing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. put a little tick mark on, 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 on the, like on the yeah. wood of the thing that was holding the monstrance. Uh, I guess like the, the altar or the part, like the part outside of the altar, or whatever. She puts a little nick in it and she did this for years. And then uh, finally, one of the other nuns asked her about it the first day that she didn't put a little tick mark because it just became normal after years of doing it. She's like, well, th- those were all the days that I did my holy hour and I didn't experience God at all. And today I did. And she just walks out, you know, it's like, uh, and I, th- I think that's so, that's such a real thing for Christians, whether it's, whether it was true for Pope Benedict or not, we'll never know. Uh, but like he says that like the hardest, the hardest thing to do is hear God's voice, just period point blank. It's a hard thing to do. And then Bergoglio says, even for a pope, and then he says, perhaps even especially for a pope, because this is in the midst of a conversation about Benedict dealing with the priest scandal and the bank scandal and uh, other priests being mad at him and like him not being not being liked by a lot of people. And it's like all those things in our lives, like our versions of that, the stresses and the, and the frustrations of our life bleed into our spiritual life where it, it is harder to find God if we can't be like be internally quiet because all this other stuff is taking up all of our internal space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, another thing just occurred to me based on what you said that there's a, I mean, the, the difference in their personality is so striking 
and also just as a quick aside, I loved that they uh, that they basically just it's it's apocryphal. It didn't ever actually happen, I don't think, because Benedict apparently couldn't sit through a full soccer match. Right. But when Argentina and Germany, that the end of the movie, they showed them like drinking and and being merry and watching <laughs> Argentina and Germany right. the World Cup together was awesome. Um, but like that, their personalities were so different, and they put that on full display in the movie. But that I think like the fundamental struggle they both shared that Cardinal Bergoglio, future Pope Francis was just like wrestling with this idea of wanting to be done. Maybe even like questioning whether or not he wanted to be a priest as in the conversation that they had in the garden. And then Pope Benedict having this, you know, this kind of internal struggle of like, do I quit or not? Is God actually real that uh, Pope Francis went through when he was in exile? Like he was, you know, there was the one time that he was preaching before the, you know, this little tiny country parish uh, full of people saying, you know, I'm supposed to stand up here. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm supposed to stand up here and, you know, give you something about God. But I, you know, basically like feel really empty inside. And so you need to preach to me now, like today, because and it's just like really sad. Um, it was really striking that they, you know, that they both have gone through these really profound things and they, you know, are ultimately, you know, brothers on the same path and same mission, whatever, to serve the church. Yeah, that's interesting to hear you say that. I, I didn't make that connection that like they both shared in that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't occur to me until just now that there was that that kind of parallel. Which well, I didn't think yeah. of it, but I made you think of it, so I still get credit, right? That is true. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that was that was interesting because like the the macro theme of uh, we can disagree as human beings and still be brothers, especially as Catholics. Like, there's so much divisiveness, and it's driving me crazy. Um, just amongst our own people, like you know, like. It, they'll know we're Christians by our love and like we we have we cannot love each other well or we have not been loving each other well and not only are these two people that that disagree on some on some pretty big um how to on how to do things in the church but like after this big kind of like their biggest fight in the movie like their biggest argument they're both able to have these conversations and they're both very passionate about what they believe. And there was one moment in the movie, like just one, which was striking because usually when they disagreed, their, their tone was just like you and I's now, like we're just two brothers sitting in rooms halfway across the country. They were sitting next to each other. But when they finally did have that, like where they kind of went at it for a few seconds, uh, like they walked away and they cooled down and later, like Benedict invited Bergoglio, like later that evening, they both went and ate and they they both took naps because they're god awfully old. And then they, then they, they met up again uh, around dinner after dinner or something like that. And there was this awkwardness. There was a real awkwardness after the fight where like neither of them really said anything. They didn't really know what to say. And 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 Benedict said, "Please just just sit down and let's be quiet together. Let's simply be brothers together." And it's like, oh, like that's it's beautiful because like. Like when my wife and I ever get into it, this is usually the first thing that we do. Uh, like that whole like, don't let the anger set on your son. We break that all the time. A lot of times we need to just chill and be together and maybe sleep on it. And then the next day we'll talk about the argument. But it's like, let's just sit down and be a married couple together. Let's just sit here and watch a show or whatever. Because um, we still love each other despite our argument. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting because like, let's simply be brothers together. Like I don't, I don't have that as much with like the, the men in my life as I, that I do 
with my wife. And I just thought that was, it was really beautiful uh, to see these two people who like, even the movie pits to, pits against each other probably more than they were in real life. But even then it's still loving and awkward. And ultimately that love, that love uh, wins out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that scene, how they kind of played out the, uh, the differences in their personalities. So, you know, Cardinal Bergoglio is making these references to the Beatles and um, soccer a lot of times, all these right. things. And, and Pope Benedict's just kind of like looking at him quizzically, whatever. But, um, but then like, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, press through it and Cardinal Bergoglio asked him to play some piano for him and all these things. And then they, yeah, like then it's the awkwardness is, is all gone. Also like all the way through that, right. The point of Cardinal Bergoglio going there in the first place, whether or not this was actually the case again, who knows um, that he went to like, get his letter of resignation signed by the Pope. I loved, I thought, like I laughed out loud several times because it was just like trying to get him to sign the right. letter, like slip it in when there was like, you know, the conversation was at a comfortable spot. And then Pope Benedict would just like cast it aside, like they're on the helicopter and they put the headset on and then they have like this nice interaction um, reflecting on Rome's beauty or whatever. And he's like, okay, about my retirement. And he takes the headset off and right. <laughs> ignores him, which is like, but I want to, you know, if it's a little bit of a, uh, wisdom there that again it's probably apocryphal but like that the character of pope benedict was trying to just spend more time and then by the time they got to the end cardinal bergoglio had just like you know not tried with the retirement anymore but then they are you know while he's waiting for his car teaches him to tango the the current pope and the future pope right. are tangoing <laughs> in front of the you know the papal security guards um, and it's this beautiful moment, and he's finally just like you know hitting him with his cane. It's like, okay, okay, leave, just go, yeah, go but away, go enjoyment. away, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then missing his friend, it's like the you know when when he's actually getting in the car and leaving, felt kind of strange tangoing with, uh, with you know a brother cardinal or whatever. Right. But then at the same time was like, oh, this last day was really nice. Right. Again, yeah. drawing on the humanity of somebody who you know for the more conservative crowd just sees him for his, his intellect and his intensity to, you know, speak out against the things that the church is against or whatever, but then re being reminded that he loves Fanta and that he literally actually truthfully would have Fanta with every meal, which is hilarious. <laughs> it is really funny. Like think about like Thomas Aquinas drinking Fanta. And it's like, that's a pretty fair equivalent. Cause you said, as you like, it's very likely that Benedict becomes a doctor of the church. And there you go. Doctor of the church drinking orange fed. <laughs> Saint of orange soda. Yeah. I, I, now, every time I see a Fanta commercial, don't you want to want to Fanta? <laughs> it's like, I don't, I'm not a big fan, but uh, Benedict the 16th can have mine. So, um, what was interesting there, there were a few like, like throws to like a really conservative crowd because like one of the, one of the things that, or a couple of the things is like, Oh, uh, is Francis trying to undo anything that Benedict did? And like, was Francis becoming Pope? Uh, like did Benedict retire because he was forced out by the liberal agenda or whatever. Right. Yes. And there, there were, there were two, there were two quotes pretty close to each other that were kind of like a, like a nod to those things. Um, Benedict's Benedict says in humility, because like in, like in real life, like him stepping down, was a huge act of humility because it was going to be questioned and it was going to be like, what is going on? And 
uh, like this doesn't happen, right? It's like they even joke about it. It's like, oh yes, this other person did in the year nine hundred fifty, and Francis is like, you think it's gonna be okay because a pope? Like people aren't gonna ask because a pope a thousand years ago did it or whatever the real <laughs> numbers are. And uh, Benedict says like like God always corrects one pope by granting another. I'd like to see my correction, and that like. Yeah. Like whether you agree that he needed correction or not, quote unquote, right? Like the humility of this man who was a great leader uh, and and like literally a great person. Like I I just love him to death. But like even even he makes mistakes, even like they're still human beings. Right. So like the humility of this great person saying, I'd like to see my correction. It's like, how much more should I be saying like there have been things at work that like I no longer run certain parts of, of a blaze where I work. I no longer run certain parts of it. And there have been things that are running better now and, and things that probably could be like maybe there were certain parts that were better when I was. But it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I have had to let go of those things for better or for worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an interesting reminder for me. And then uh, Bergoglio asking, are you being pressured to go? And then Benedict, I could totally see him saying this. No, if I was being pressured to go, I would resist and stay. Yes, oh, it's like, oh, it's just like too. so baller. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was, I remember when, yeah, right after he said that in the movie, thinking of thinking the same thing. I was like, of course he would say that. Like if anybody was in doubt, like if you, if you are, you know, singing to high heaven, like singing the praises of all of his, his speeches and his writing, all these things, and like thinking of him in, like in his strong character, literally as God's Rottweiler. Do you think that like God's Rottweiler would just lay down and like when you know right. when being no, like even as a seventy-eight-year-old man, it's like no, he would like he would fight it to the death for sure. Yeah. Um, last couple of things. We're getting to the end of the movie here. I'm in my last couple of lines of, of notes here. I, uh, this has been mm-hmm. fun, by the way. I'm, I've been enjoying. Yeah, I like this too. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things that like, because they're they're hearing each other's confessions and um, both of them are sharing are sharing things from their past that are that were hurtful to them, right? Like just experiences that were hard, and like you know we talked earlier about Bergoglio and 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 the the things that got that got him like kind of blacklisted by the Jesuits and then they were brought back in. There there were these moments that, um, like. He's like, do you trust in God's forgiveness? He's like, God, essentially God forgets, but I didn't, right? Like these things are still, are still haunting me. Um, And then later on in the movie, we see he served a mass with one of the people who got tortured because Mm -hmm. of, because of, of an action he took trying, ultimately trying to protect these men, but it backfired. And like two of his brother priests were, were tortured um, in Argentina and, they got released a few months later. He tried to get them out and like all, all these kinds of things. Right. And at the, the sign of peace, the, like they, these two men embraced, they hugged and it was, it was Bergoglio who was tortured by his decision, right? Like internally tortured, hugging this man who was physically tortured. And like, they, they're both like crying on the altar together, serving at a mass together. And it was this, this beautiful story uh, of like literal reconciliation, a story that had, the sacrament of reconciliation, like, like reconciliation between these two men. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I look at that. That actually happened too. That was actually like, not, uh, not a, uh, embellishment. I don't think. Um, yeah, but I agree. That was one of the more striking parts, especially because I was, I was reflecting right after that. Of again, we talked about Benedict being humanized 
by being, you know, everybody kind of idolizes his writing and all the, like his intellect and things. And I think Francis, it's a little bit different because he's more of, uh, he's more like of a human public figure. You know what I mean? Like he's less easily caricatured because he's like, he's just very jovial and all these things. Um, but I think people will still, again, pigeonhole him for on maybe like the, the more like traditionalist crowd in their hatred of him. I'm going to just call it hatred because I mean, what else would we call it? I agree with you um, in their disdain, but probable hatred of him for like the Pachamama crap and like all these things. Um, or, but on the other side of the people who think that he's just like this, you know, progressive Titan of the, who am I to judge? Like all of that sort of thing, they all will just kind of caricature him, but that that specific instance where he's saying mass and encounters his friend. And I was imagining, I was trying to imagine Francis, the Pope, not the Jonathan Price Francis, um, actually like that, that actually happened to him who is a real man and who is now the Pope. Um, and that that experience shaped who he is right now, how he acts in his leadership of the church and just kind of like, just kind of sitting in awe of it a little bit. I don't, I still don't really even know what, like, you know, what the resolution of that thought is, but that just, that it's just a reflection that he is an actual, who that really actually happened to and that it affected, you know, how he is at age 84 leading a billion Catholics is just kind of striking. Right. Yeah. I mean, it brings about the, like a theme that you've been that you've been talking about this whole time that it humanizes him. Right. Like we all know Pope Francis, like n- not myself. I, I don't think you like not many people in like our Catholic bubble online knew Bergoglio's story. Like we all we all okay. decided to start having thoughts about him when he was elected Pope Francis. Right. And and ever since then, it's like he's a tortured man. Like he's living, he's lived a tough life, and he's been through right. a lot of a lot of difficult things that have made him to the man that he is today. Uh, and again, it just it just humanizes him. But um, the last the last couple things for me was uh, let me pull up my notes. Here we go. Um, in this in this whole idea of like Benedict saying that he had some times where it was hard to hear God's voice, and and Bergoglio saying that he had it whenever whenever he was earlier in earlier in his priesthood and uh benedict says to francis like i heard i heard god's voice in who i least expected so like by the end of the movie he's saying like i heard god's voice through through you and our brotherhood despite our differences despite our our disagreements like i heard god i heard god god's voice again in you um it was just it was just just beautiful for me and like both of them said at times like you know, some 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 days we don't. Or it was uh, Francis that said it. Some days we don't hear God, and other other days we just say, "Well, at least I tried." And like that was that was like life giving for me because I think like especially these last few weeks, like I hadn't been hearing God, and I had tried, and I had tried, and I had tried, and then I, I and then I hadn't heard anything, so I stopped trying for days, a week, weeks. Like I don't I don't know how long it was, right? Like I pull up my calendar, and probably figured out, but through all the stresses of the tough things going on. And it's like, like, no, that's beautiful. Like that's the, like, well, at least I tried is the, like still my commitment to, to my Lord, whether I, whether I hear from him or not. Um, that was, that was really kind of, kind of inspiring to me and kind of like kicked me in the butt a little bit at a time that I needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really know what to add to that. I mean, that's, I mean, that is very beautiful, but again, I mean, it just, it does. It just speaks to the um, humanizing that maybe we just take it for granted when we see, you know, um, I don't know, 
the mayor of our town, the governor of our state, the president of the United States, like all these things. It's, it's just like really easy when we don't, I, I mean, even like people that we encounter on Twitter, we're all guilty of it because we, we only get a little snippet of a person. And a lot of times it's not when they're at their best or if it's just like uh, an argument that we disagree with. It's like the, we um, conflate the love, the sinner, hate the sin kind of thing because like the, we're identifying the person so much with just what they're saying or what we're seeing them saying or something. When in reality, I don't, I don't remember where it was, but um, I remember somebody a long time ago saying like, adults don't have it any more together than kids do. They just like fake it better. Right. <laughs> like we're like, we just kind of like know how to, you know, like adapt and, and live with our imperfections and all these things. But then like that, that's the case with popes. That's, I, that's one of the things that I love the most about even like, you know, doing an episode on the bad popes. How I remember learning about there's only two in 264 guys uh, that I you know read and learned about and wrote these entries on or whatever. Um, there's only two that like I was actually like pissed when I was learning about them. Like you are just like a complete jackass. Like I can say that <laughs> radio show. It's on my podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're just like a complete turd. And like I just want to punch. I like I just want to. I don't know. It was just, like. I just got really frustrated, but there's only two of them. It was like, I think it was Alexander the sixth uh, or maybe Benedict the ninth and Leo the 10th. I think Leo the 10th is a guy who ushered in the Protestant reformation, had a pet elephant and was just like, a hey, complete dunce. what is wrong with having a pet elephant? There's you nothing wrong with a pet elephant. There's nothing wrong with a pet elephant. That in itself, there's nothing wrong with a pet elephant. But, um, but like he was the guy who just like wrote off Martin Luther and like spoken these like strong terms anyways. But like the rest of them, even the rest of the bad popes, it was like I kind of was sympathizing with them again because they're just like you you kind of read into it and read, oh, the you know, like the British probably is where we got the history that we think of this person from, or, or the Spanish or whatever it was. So they're gonna be embellish the bad qualities, or like this faction of cardinals really hated him and then they were in power and then they were like spreading all these falsehoods or anything. Um so you're but saying there was fake news even back in the 1700s? There, so. there was a lot of fake news in some of these papal histories for sure to die, to uh, pierce through. But like in the end, they were just they were just people. I mean, they were just humans, and there was you know that you take the good with the bad. And some of these guys, unfortunately, there was a more bad than we would have liked, and that's why we think of them as bad popes. But like, but they still did good. Um, so, anyways, they're like at the highest echelons of society. Um, if nothing else, I think this movie was, was great at being able to remind us or maybe just to like break through to people who had never thought of it before myself included. And it yeah. sounds like you're, um, to some extent that like that these guys who we character, who we may, may like, may not like, um, however faulty or Hollywoodish the portrayals of either of them were that it reminds us that they're human and <laughs> maybe at some point had pizza and Fanta in the sacristy of the Sistine Chapel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of that, whether or not it actually happened. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, anybody who hates Francis should just go listen to all of your episodes about the bad popes and then get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just look at this in comparison a little bit, but, uh, I, but I, I, actually, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think uh, it'll help your soul to help Matt's downloads. You know, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I, I, I so we, I think we have to end with one with one specific thing. Did did we cry at the same moment? Oh man, what was the moment you cried? I I might not be able to remember because it was just like there was it was just so. Oh, do you just cry so often that you can't remember when you I, cry? Crying special for me, Matthew. I was gonna say I'm not ashamed to admit that I have the gift of tears, 
Uh, uh, okay, time. that's a little too much. I wouldn't call it a gift, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so the moment I cried, the moment I cried was um, uh, when they started using real footage. It was uh, like the tears started coming when they started, like, because I remember vividly, like, I was in grad school when Pope Francis announced that he was retiring. And, like, the di- I remember watching him fly away from the Vatican, like, tearing up. So it, like, it brought back those memories. But uh, it shows the moment where, where Francis is elected and where he comes out onto onto the balcony. I've just always loved comparing and contrasting when Benedict came out on the balcony and when Francis did. And, like, it, it was one of those things that, like, I've worked in ministry long enough that you know the right things to say at certain moments, right? So I always saw Francis stopping to pray for Pope Benedict or Pope Emeritus Benedict. I always saw that as a thing, like, this is a thing that I have to do because I'm the new Pope. We're all acknowledging that the other Pope is still alive. We need to stop and pray for it. And I remember like in real time when that happened, that being a special moment for me, like that, that time of silence where millions of people standing there were quiet. Like the world was quiet. Like the, the room that I was in ton of Catholic grad students were all just dead silent, praying, praying for this man who had, who had served the church so well and Pope Benedict XVI. And I always it was beautiful, but it like didn't mean as much as it could because I always thought like this is a thing you have to do. Like you, you he, he knew walking out there they had to do it, and like after watching this movie, like he was praying for a brother who he cared about and he wanted the world to do that with him. Like I, it, it killed me, dude. Like I, I, I broke down in tears just because of the beauty of their brotherhood, the beauty of their friendship that came across so beautifully in this movie. And I'm just like I walk over it, like I walk out of the TV room and into the. The, our other living room and my, my wife sitting there and I'm like, you know, she could tell that I had tears in my eyes. She's like, what the heck happened? I thought you were watching the two popes. I was like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, that definitely was the same the same point. That, but I mean, like, gosh, like, it almost makes me tear up now, like hearing the story. Because, um, like, I mean, at the time that the Pope Francis was elected, I mean, my I call it my conversion. I never left the church. But um, like my kind of waking up moment was after, um, I think, Pope Francis were there, or it was pretty near that. So, I, like, I wasn't really thinking of it in terms of, um, like, in those sorts of terms. I just remember being like super jacked that there was a new pope. We're watching right. this, yeah. Um, but in the in the movie specifically, yeah, Benedict flying away. Um, I chuckled when he said when he's reading the the decree in Latin, and then it's harkening back to when Benedict in the movie said to Francis, "If you want, if you want to read something hard, just say it in Latin, and only you only twenty percent will understand." Right. What you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, him flying away and then Pope Francis, I, and I was remembering a story that I read about, like somebody describing, um, the newly elected Pope Francis, like his, he like walked, like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders when he left the Sistine Chapel and he went, and I think he actually did call Benedict. I don't think he ever, he got through to him. Um, but then like, you know, they, they, you know, pray for the blessed sacrament, go to the room of tears, put on the papal vestments. And when he came out, it, some, they said he was like a different person. It was like the Lord like spoke to him or, or he received something um, in that moment that he went out and then was on fire. Like he was, he was just kind of like a different guy, um, but just kind of like contemplating all of that. And then Benedict watching from afar um, himself being prayed for. Was, yeah, it was just, gosh, it was just so dang it, beautiful. It crushed me, dude. It really did. It was yeah. so, so great. Yes. And then it, like at the, like the happy tears moment right after that where spoiler alert like i said earlier on uh the earlier segment 
they're watching the soccer game together and right, Benedict's yeah. just like giving crap and Pope Francis is just like super like you know crushed himself that Argentina lost which yeah which was hilarious also and but. Benedict laughing at him it's just so funny it's so funny <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh yeah well how do we put a bow on this thing um I think that's that's a we we, we say Merry Christmas and congratulations for unwrapping this beautiful conversation between myself <laughs> yes, indeed. and Matt yes perfect well yeah since I uh gave the little um promo for the podcast on on your show then i think we can end with um how could people find you what's the story of forte catholic you can um yeah give your spiel for the folks yeah weekly radio show weekly podcast uh forte catholic.com f-o-r-t-e it just means loud if you haven't picked up on that yet uh <laughs> yeah the whole goal is to make catholicism fun again bring some joy back into our faith and uh yeah just thanks for thanks for doing this I, I've, I've really enjoyed it it made like watching the movie a lot more fun knowing that i was gonna like be able to talk in depth to somebody with it about this and then uh yeah i just hope people enjoyed it and that they go watch the movie because uh it it, it did a lot for me yeah likewise i honestly don't i um being completely honest i don't know that i would have watched it at all uh, because i know how i mean at a certain point i thought it was just an excuse to have jonathan price play pope francis which like to their credit like i i completely understand at certain points i was doing a double take and forgetting who was who like, he's his he's his long lost twin brother like it's literally it's wild literally but um but yeah i like if nothing else i mean this is yeah this is a very fruitful conversation hopefully for those of you listening um this was fruitful for you too hopefully i'll encourage you to go um watch it and hopefully we fell somewhere right smack between i think it was father james martin who was singing its praises unabashedly and uh was it professor robbie george from princeton saying no it's terrible right (laughs) hopefully we fell right in the middle i think there was a lot of the the person i saw yelling about it was like this isn't historically accurate 100 percent at all i'm like did you expect that? Like, come on. That's just like intellectually not sound, Mr. Man from Princeton. Okay. Yes, yes. And if you take nothing else, I think you said it best, Taylor, at the very beginning that I expected it to be much worse. Um, I would agree with that. It was a lot better than I expected it to Woo! be. <laughs> it's like going to Mass. I didn't expect the homily to be good, but it was pretty decent. Like, I'm happy. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah. Putting your, your pastor on notice. No, just kidding. Oh, that's, yeah, it's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again, Taylor. Um, This is great. All right, God bless, man. I appreciate it. Well, that is it for this week on the podcast. We wish you and your family and friends a very Merry Christmas and Christmas season. Thanks again to Taylor for doing this crossover episode with us. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed it. If you decide to go uh, watch the two popes for yourself, please uh, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook at the podcast or at Forte Catholic for Taylor's uh, to let us know what you think. If you think uh, you agreed, if you disagreed, uh, some fruits that you saw from the movie that, that uh, we might have missed, anything like that, we, we really appreciate the feedback. Um, also, if you haven't yet, please uh, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. The more ratings and reviews that we have, the more likely it's, it's going to be seen and listened to by others. And then also, uh, if you'd like to support our work here, of course, the podcast will always be free to listen to, but it is not free to produce. So if you'd like to support our work, please consider becoming a patron of the podcast uh, for a dollar to an episode by going to thepopecast.fm and clicking the become a patron link in the upper right hand corner. Also want to take the opportunity to say a quick shout out and thank you to Mike, our newest patron just from uh, a few days ago. So thanks, Mike. So again, that's thepopecast.fm and the become a patron link in the upper right hand corner. So benefits are you know early access a day early for every podcast episode. This is a bit uh, a bit unique because we're we're releasing it in conjunction with Taylor's podcast. But um, normal new episodes will release a day early. Uh, we'll send you a sticker in the mail, and then depending on the on the tier, if you um, 
give at higher levels. There's there's other great things uh, going on there as well. So again, that's thepopecast.fm and the Become a Patron link in the upper right-hand corner. So once again, thank you and Merry Christmas to everybody who listened. We hope you have a blessed uh, Christmas season and we will see you next time. God bless.